0: Calling all Crooked Media fans. We need your feedback and we're 100% prepared to bribe you for it. This is a new way for those of you who love Crooked content and our mission to make your voices heard. It's your chance to influence everything from merch designs to our digital content to what Love It eats for lunch. Okay, I guess. That last part's a joke, obviously. He's ordering Panda Express again and no one can stop him. I'm reading this. That's true. Did they not know I was going to read this? (laughs) Here's how it works. Just fill out a survey about your Crooked podcast preferences and you're in. We'll reach out to you when we need your opinion, and you'll get a promo code to the Crooked store every time you participate. So sign up, help us out, because Tommy gets scared when you show up at his gym to tell him about your t-shirt ideas. That is true. It was a good idea, though. Go to crooked.com slash insiders to join today. Welcome to Love It or Leave It, Vax to the Future.
1: Fuck last year, I'm over and thank God for me. John Love it's so tired of in over. Now the air is warm and which referred to Rushland bar is quieter and it feels less dangerous to beat outdoors. Sure, 43% of Republicans here won't take the vaccine. And that makes it much harder to reach herd immunity. That it's so tough to picture any normal scene, but I got my second shot two weeks ago, so at least I'll have five G. We're going back to, back to the future, 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 back to the future. All right, all right.
0: That incredible song was sent in by Charlie Foxtrot. I liked it a lot. It had an American Idiot vibe, I think. If you want to make a Facts of the Future theme song, please send it to us at leaveitatcrooked.com, leaveitatcrooked.com. On the show this week, I talked to Dr. Rick Doblin, an expert in psychedelic research, to talk about mushrooms, MDMA, and health. Jason Concepcion stopped by to play a game about the outcry over changes to fictional characters. But first... She is a comedian, actress, writer, and returning champion. Please welcome Jenny Slate. Jenny, it's so good to see you.
2: Cool. Hi, John. It's so good to see you, too. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you for being here. (laughs) Let's get into it. What a week. On Monday, the FBI identified the group responsible for a ransomware attack that shut down a fuel pipeline that transports 2.5 million barrels of gasoline, heating oil, and jet fuel per day. A criminal gang of hackers called Darkside, believed to operate from Eastern Europe, took responsibility. This was obviously a shocking development. In America, the most common cause of stop pipes is OxyContin. Uh. Uh, That tends to be, uh, you know, because you see... Uh. (laughs) yeah stop it stops the pipes
2: yeah yeah no i know i know i know i did know i heard that what can happen it's dark it's that's difficult you know
0: yeah i agree
2: i would also say as a selfish joke monster myself i was all geared up to make a joke about how i wish someone would stop my gas pipes right so i would say excuse moi i guess
0: <laughs> You're gonna go. You're gonna. You're gonna go the other way. I was saying, oh, we gotta stop pipes. Problem. You're like, I gotta pipes. I got pipes that need stopping.
2: Yeah, I'm like, I wish a bunch of dorky people called that call themselves the dark side would just put a cork in it and buy it. I, I mean, my cornhole. Come on, let's let's talk politics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're talking politics. <laughs> <laughs> By Wednesday, service had mostly been restored, though there may be lingering shortages after people in the Southeast rushed to fill up their tanks and some gas stations ran out of gas. Not one to miss an opportunity to be a lying repellent troll, Ted Cruz, the unacknowledged love child of Gozer the Gozerian and Walter Peck from Ghostbusters, Uh tweeted about the attack, welcome to the Green New Deal.
2: Uh, Well, can I also say, (laughs) first of all, Ted Cruz, you need to go to bed. It's been years that I've been saying it. But secondly, if he were to say it in the cadence of that guy from Ghostbusters, who has the weirdest Mm -hmm. cadence, and he says, what is the magic word? Right? That's what you're talking about, right? You
0: bet. Walter Peck.
2: Welcome to the Green New Deal, like that? And you'd be like, it's not—it's the Green New Deal. It's like the emphasis is wrong.
0: That actor had such a worm renaissance in that era. He was in yeah. Die Hard. Uh, he's in um, The Pelican Brief. Totally. He has a, a wonderful turn in The Pelican Brief. And he's uh, Walter Peck. Uh, love also that era where the villain was from the EPA.
2: I know. I know. You know, the only other weird, like we're like environmental, but we're bad or something thing, I think is from that movie, The Kingsmen, when for some reason it's like <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, who clearly is saying all of his lines on like an earwig and has no idea what the movie is about, is like <laughs> is like kill, making everybody kill themselves, but mm-hmm. because he likes the environment? Is that?
0: That movie had some third act problems.
2: What do you, you know? mean, like the very end of the movie where the the princess in jail is like, and now you duel me into butt." That's how the movie ends
0: <laughs> with speaking <afraid>. of <laughs> speaking of butts, Ted yeah. Cruz is blaming the fallout from one cyber attack on a proposal, the Green New Deal that a is not passed. B would not have made this issue worse in any way, and C would actually help by reducing our dependence on fossil fuels so that our economy is more resilient and less vulnerable to this kind of attack. But for Ted Cruz, the unacknowledged love child of Jack Torrance and the old woman in room 237 of the Overlook Hotel, reality is no longer a limiting factor in how huge an asshole he can be. The Green New Deal is now the Republican Babadook, a frightening, all-consuming metaphor for loss. So do you prefer thinking of Ted Cruz as the love child of Gozer the Gozerian uh, and Walter Peck or Jack Torrance from The Shining and The old dead lady in room 237
2: you gotta go with Gozer and Walter because they're not really that powerful like Gozer is Walter just isn't he's a nuisance and and we're gonna get rid of him but Jack Torrance and the and that old lady who's all moldy and laughing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're actually doing something really powerful to me and I I can't let Ted Cruz have that in his Mm -hmm. heritage fair enough yeah.
0: Fair enough. So, uh, Ted Cruz, the unacknowledged lo- <laughs> the unacknowledged love child of the Grand High Witch and Bruno, the gluttonous boy in the witches, was falsely blaming Democrats for an attack on the country. Republicans in the House, at the same time, were blaming Liz Cheney for calling attention to an attack on the country that they actually did support and encourage. Remaining
1: silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar.
0: Do you prefer thinking of Ted Cruz as the love child of Bruno? Uh, and uh, Angelica Houston.
2: No, I still really am with Gozer and Walter, man. I just, um, Angelica Houston.
0: Well, she's a, as a witch.
2: Yeah, but she's always still Angelica Houston. Like That's she's Virginia Adams, but she's Angelica. Not that I know her. Like, I mean, I'm saying her first name as if, but I don't.
0: An- you as mean as Angie?
2: As- <laughs> oh, Ange? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so, House Republicans voted to remove Liz Cheney from their leadership team over her refusal to go along with Donald Trump's election lies. And congratulations to her more on message replacement, a My Pillow duct taped to a loaded gun.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> feathers. <laughs> I'm seeing lots of feathers. Oh. Oh.
0: Feathers. 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 Just a few hours after ousting Cheney, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said this, I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. Uh, He's like a kid who reeks of weed going, I don't think anybody is smoking marijuana. I've never even heard of marijuana. How do you even spell that? It's so crazy how letters are just shapes, (laughs) you know?
2: And then he's like, and sometimes you can like almost smell the sound of the letter. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, we know you did the dope.
0: No. <laughs> hey, Kevin. We know you did the dope. We know it. Kev. 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 K dog.
2: <laughs> we just want to talk to you, Kev. We know you're stoned on dope. Okay. <laughs>
0: On Wednesday, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced a lottery program for people who have received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine, in which every Wednesday for five weeks, a name will be drawn to receive $1 million. Meanwhile, anti-vaxxers will be holding a lottery of their own. The winner gets placed on a ventilator. But you have to, you know, you have to act. You have to, act, you have to get involved. Uh, you won't always get the ventilator. Right. Because of um the fact that we didn't have enough at a time, you know, sometimes.
2: You yeah. Know? Yeah, so the, the that's how that's gonna shake out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, some people get the money, but some, some will get a ventilator.
2: We'll get one million dollars, and also their health. And other people um, will have a, a sort of a big bummer on their hands. Uh, either that they'll be on a ventilator, or they'll have COVID and they won't be on a ventilator. Which is a that's- hard way to kind of go into the to the late spring, early summer.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely puts. Um... It puts a damper on those summer plans those beach plans um finally a chance to kind of relax things calm down a little bit yeah um it does suck though if you don't win the the lottery, you'll have just gotten vaccinated for like no reason you know
2: <laughs> yeah that's true uh, right I, I I mean I'm in it for the money is um is how I feel about it even though i don't I don't care. there. A- <laughs>
0: That's why you got Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson. You got some. You got some AstraZeneca. You're just trying to get more tickets.
2: I just got. Yeah, I just. Uh, I just got them all, and um, and then I asked my mom to get it so that I could get her tickets.
0: Um. Yeah. You even somehow managed to get that Russian one. It's
2: weird. Uh, which
0: is really. It's weird. Yeah. That one makes you like techno music. That's one of the side effects of that one. Makes you want to. You know. Really. Uh, well, you can't hear. I'm bopping. Yeah,
2: so yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm bopping. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for the people listening, I'm bopping. <laughs> In other vaccination news, New York City mayor and future Dancing with the Stars contestant who just makes the cut after Kim Guilfoyle backs out because an anchor slot opened up on Newsmax, talking about Bill de Blasio, ate a hamburger and french fries on television. I got vaccinated. You're saying I could get this? A delicious fries, Right, Matt. But there's also a a burger element to this? <laughs> Jenny looks How
1: horrified.
2: dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Oh, oh, after everything. <laughs> How dare you do that? I can't, oh my gosh. Sometimes I have to turn the radio off because of dry mouth noises. They really bum me out, okay? And let me tell you something else. There's a person in my life who I love a lot, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sunlight, call her. Nancy, my mother. I love her. Sometimes she talks with her mouth full and I can hardly stay alive. And for this man, that's privilege. You know what? You know, that's patriarchy right there. It's like, oh, you're going to make us listen. It's not even about looking at it. It's actually how it sounds.
0: It's really amazing, right? So this is ostensibly to promote the vaccination because you can, Shake Shack is saying you can get free fries if you get vaccinated.
3: But that
0: means that Bill de Blasio is taking three things we love, vaccines, Shake Shack, and free food. And he's making them so unappealing.
2: So bad. That was bad for Shake Shack. And like... What the hell? You don't have to see the person do the thing. Like, condoms are great. I don't need to watch everyone have sex with them.
0: <laughs> I definitely don't need to watch Bill de Blasio put one on to show no, no. me how it works. <laughs> no.
2: Wow. That wasn't well thought out. That wasn't well
0: thought out. <laughs> no, it's good. It's very good. I, the other thing is, which um, I hope I hope those listening, go check out the video. He eats French fries like he's never held one before. Um, It's hard to explain, but he... he he picks up two he holds <clears> them in parallel and then inserts them both into his mouth but it's it's a very strange gesture and it reminded me of um one time i went to a dinner uh and there was a a, a famous actor there not a big deal it happens all the time and uh won't name won't name the name but uh he t- in the conversation as happens there was a conversation about diet and exercise a very fit very healthy person who mentioned that it was their cheat day and then after dinner, he ordered an ice cream sundae. And I will remember it for the rest of my life because he said it with a kind of pride and novelty, like he'd never said the words out loud before. Oh. Like, I'll have an ice cream sundae. <laughs> I'll have an ice cream I'll have an ice cream sundae. Ice cream sundae. <laughs> I think about it all the time.
2: Like he could hardly say it because it was so fancy, special, rather maybe a bit a bit naughty and new. Yes.
0: Sunday, Sunday. Like for me, the day of the week, Sunday, that ends with D A Y, and ice cream Sunday that ends in, I guess, A E. Yes. They're they're homophones. (laughs) They sound the same. But for him, it was Sunday, Sunday,
2: Sunday. (laughs) Does he um speak English as the first language that he learned?
0: Absolutely. This was the only phrase he struggled with. <laughs> if,
2: only... if we're like um, a, a country where like <laughs> vampires are from or something like, you know, he was like, <laughs> like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like had sort no. of an accent.
0: No, I want to be clear. All right. I'm not doing an accent. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't come. I'm not.
2: I don't know. Not it seemed like well, it's really funny. Like my mom, gosh, why am I talking so much about my mom? But um, like when she would say swears, she would say them in a British accent because they were like, like she'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> like well, I guess maybe she to enunciate them, but she would always say like Doritos, like as if <laughs> like it's so bad and so fancy that you would say you wouldn't say like Dorito. The way that I say it, Dorito. If you want okay. a Dorito. You have to finish your flashcards.
0: Oh, that's a flashcards.
2: Well, here's a question. It's just a quick question about the fries just to go back. Mm-hmm. Are Please. you saying that he put two fries together and then put them in his mouth like the way that you would put wood into a wood chipper, like the long way? So- or did he go the wide way. So,
0: like. No, no that's, how, that's how Wally eats fries. No, this yeah, yeah, is yeah. not like the wide way. No, that in fairness, no. But here's what's important. Here's what you have to understand. And that if you were looking at it, it wasn't finger, fry, fry, finger. Like he was pinching two fries together. Yeah. Okay. And kind of holding them together and then putting the fries into his mouth, either horizontally or vertically. What I'm saying is he used his hand... Uh, almost like, uh, the two fries were side by side uh-huh. between his fingers. It was, it was finger fry finger twice. And so it was like, what? it was like, there was one fry beneath his pointer, one fry beneath his middle finger, both no. held by his thumbs. So it was like they were, and then he put both fries directly into his mouth like this. And I literally don't think I've ever seen a person do that before. Maybe he panicked because he was on camera. But uh, um, it was a little weird.
2: Panicked in that he forgot to hide how how he eats fries. <laughs> well, have you ever seen the video of what is that like tiny animal that eats the rice ball? You know what I mean? And it like eats it really slowly.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Whatever it, that is.
2: <laughs> like that, it takes it and eats it. Wow. The only thing sort of more bonkers than that is like, I have a very clear memory of that documentary called Mitt about Mitt Romney, mm-hmm. in which he's like in a hotel room and he's like, oh, he's talking about all the stuff that's really bumming him out. <laughs> 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 it's been years. And, um, and he has a plastic clamshell container of um, pasta and the top is clear and the bottom is black as they are. And he, as if, this is normal and we're not watching him do something. Like it's like, it's like almost felt like I'm watching him do his grooming or something. He flipped it upside down and he ate Mm -hmm. it out of the upside down part on camera. And I just remember being like, sir, that's not, don't show us that. Don't show us that. Thank you. (laughs) Mitt. Mitt.
0: 2013's Mitt. The human side.
2: Yeah. He goes sledding with his sons and they're like <laughs> what a rush
0: <laughs> um speaking speaking of meat the texas house passed a bill to ban plant-based foods that use the word meat or beef on their labels The socialist vegans from California are trying to trick red-blooded Texas into eating this delicious plant-based meat, and they're not going to allow it. These fuckers think they can get away with slowly iterating on less environmentally harmful and more humane products that can, in years to come, help reduce meat consumption while sidestepping the challenge of convincing tens of millions of people to change their habits and give up food they love by creating a delicious alternative to food from slaughtered animals. Not on our watch!
2: Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm, you better murder it! (laughs)
0: <laughs> not gonna happen you better murder it you better murder it
2: i don't want these hippies clogging my gas line if you know what i mean right it's to, to take yeah. it back to where we were yeah or
0: hey and it's great to be back <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no not only do they want the word meat removed from the label, Texas legislators are demanding that the word impossible only apply to actually impossible foods. Ugh. Like a taco created by God so spicy, God can't eat it.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh Lord, why did you do it?
0: <laughs> Think about that. Wrap your head around that one. Why did puzzle I over that?
2: Do that. Wow. That this is um really, I mean, not a joke, but um not what we should be spending our time on right now. <laughs>
0: Mm -mm. No, I agree.
2: Yeah. And you know what? One of them is better than the other. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. One of them is better than the other. I never know which one it is. Never know. But one of them is better. And one of them actually just tastes like a hamburger. And I love it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: Fucking problem. Look,
0: I've said it before. I'll say it again. The future is perfect steaks. The size of full pizza boxes (laughs) coming out of a printer. All right? That's the future. I want you to imagine a beautiful ribeye that's four inches thick and a yard by a yard just coming <laughs> off a printer. That could be, that could happen. Oh, That Donna, could happen.
2: That's a beautiful thought. Just printing out that beef for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: printing out that beef for you.
2: hun. i I'm printing out the beef
0: dinners it's like um it's like back to the future part 2 it's like i
2: just going to say that you, fruit yes said fruit
0: coming d- <laughs> coming down from the sky the the pizza goes into the uh, hydrator
2: yeah tiny pizza yeah yeah
0: we're you, not that far you know that um i did not know until adulthood like i'm saying not even like not even 20s adulthood i'm talking about i did not know until i was in my 30s that Michael J. Fox also plays his sister. What? <laughs> Had no idea. I did not know. I did never. Un- I didn't see it. I didn't make the connection. I didn't notice that it was Michael J. Fox in drag. Did not notice. Had no idea. I thought it was another actor. What?
2: What? Uh, what? What was it like when you finally realized? I,
0: it blew my fucking mind. It blew my mind. I was like, how have I seen this movie two dozen, three dozen times, and just. Thought that that was an actor?
2: Yeah, and why would you think that they would just place like a rando in there when everyone else is played by repeat? You know what I well, mean?
0: <laughs> because that's a great question. That woman was Thank just really good
2: it. acting, right? That's what you thought.
0: I, well, what I thought was I, you know, it is a departure because it, usually Michael J. Fox goes up or down generations, but not across. Right, You know, like, like, why isn't Lily Tomlin playing the daughter? What? Like, I didn't know. I didn't like, it's not like Michael J. Fox doesn't also play his own mother. Lily Tomlin plays the mother. So why is he playing the sister? Yeah. Of the kid. He's playing his own daughter. Yeah. But Michael J. Fox doesn't play. It doesn't actually, logically, it should be Lily Tomlin, actually, now that I think about it.
2: Lily Tomlin should repeat as the daughter. I don't know. I'm not super sold. And I'm also getting jammed up because... I'm thinking of how weird it is in Back to the Future Three when Michael J. Fox is married to his mother in the past. He's Wait. my he's the dad and she's the mom. Oh
0: my god!
2: And so that's always really weird to me because it's like, well, what what happened? Oh, to about Glover, you guys just gave up, like.
0: Well, I think what, I think what happened to Kristen Glover is he tried to kick David Letterman, and they're like, we're not putting him in the he third.
2: He did. Box. Oh, yes. I didn't know. There's some.
0: Crispin, Crispin Glover had a media tour that did not go well for him. Oh. Uh, and I don't know what happened, but he's not in the third. But he totally, you're right. I never even thought about that. He should be playing Lily Tomlin's husband in that movie.
2: Yeah. It's weird that Michael J. Fox plays the relative from the past. And then Michael J. Fox is Clint Eastwood. Of course. And they're like, Mr. Eastwood, because they have old-fashioned accent.
0: I guess they're, te- they're in some way Irish. Yeah, they're, or they're Scottish? like,
2: i Scottish. And I, I, yeah, yeah. you know.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. Anyway, I never knew. Mid-show correction. Leah Thompson, not Lily Tomlin. Leah Thompson, not Lily Tomlin. Speaking of, I don't know, Ellen DeGeneres. Speaking of Ellen DeGeneres, <laughs> sure. she announced she will end her talk show after next year saying, as great as this show is and as fun as it is, it's just not a challenge anymore. Ellen continued. My staff starts crying the second I look at them. Sometimes they're already crying when I walk through the door. It just feels like I'm going through the motions.
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: She just needs, she she can't, there's nothing to feed off of. She needs to make them cry. They can't be crying already when she gets there.
0: Right. What's the fun of that? What's the challenge? There's no sport in it. There's no sport in it. Yeah. That's like, it's like Jurassic Park. Like she wants to hunt. Yeah. You know?
2: They're just goats being lowered in the whole staff. All of her PAs, all of her PAs every day, they just get lowered in. They're like, eh. <laughs> eh. they're standing around and like, they're like, what, what? The door to her, the door to her dressing room is, is like, is like busted down. Oh my God, she's out here. She's out here. Ah! And then they, you know what I mean?
0: No, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Speaking of um, PAs, I did get a fight in a fight on the street with, um, couple of PAs from the Curb Your Enthusiasm production uh, this week. That did happen. <laughs>
2: what <laughs> so, happened? Why did you so, <laughs>
0: <like a> <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, my parents were in town, the Lovitz, I will say, uh, before this meal took place. I had, I had like uh, two, <laughs> two confrontations in the span of hours. One of them uh, did involve my father because he read something on the Internet about Israel. And then he said something to me about it being anti-Semitic. Yeah. And that turned into a whole conversation that culminated in my mother taking her uh, uh, headphones out because she was watching Netflix on her iPad. I think she's watching a drama about a small town doctor. Oh. She loves dramas about small town doctors. Mm. And she just takes out her headphones out and she goes, are you done arguing about Israel so that we can go to dinner? <laughs> and then she just put them back in. <laughs> then she put them back in. Uh, but then we went to dinner. And we, it was a, a Mexican restaurant. I dropped my parents off with actually Ronan. And I said, I'll, you, go, you just go get the table and I'll drive to park. And I go and I park. And as I'm parking, I realized that I've just passed by some kind of production. Don't know what it is. I park. I start walking toward the restaurant. And then uh, a PA, somebody on the production just stops me and says, hey, can you hold off and not cross for a second? We're about to, uh, to shoot. And I said, sure. Love to support the industry in Los Angeles, big believer, art. a lot of jobs, yeah. huge art, art, art. Yeah. At this point, didn't even know what the production was, and so they're about to shoot, and I sort of wait, no big deal, uh, and then I look and I see Larry David standing there, and I thought, oh, that's fun. This is a Curvy Enthusiasm shoot. I got lots of friends that love Curvy Enthusiasm, and while I've lived in LA a long time, I'm not jaded. I'm excited. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna take a quick pic on my phone, send it to my friends. I'm not looking to tweet. I'm not looking to make a kerfuffle out of it. Sure. And so without even thinking I take out my phone, I just sort of grab a picture. And then somebody on the production just yells, "No photos allowed." <coughs> and I was sort of like caught off guard. I was like, "But I looked around. I was like, I'm on a public street. I'm on a public street. street in Los Angeles." And then I was like, "What do you mean you, no photos allowed?" Like, and she was and then she's like, "Well, we don't want people spoiling the season." I was like, "Oh, I totally understand that." you can't tell people it's not allowed like I'm on a public street I'm only standing here because you asked me to and she said like well it's no photos or something like that and then another production person starts saying no photos at me something like that I'm going to get into details later but I was like what do you mean you can't tell me not to take a picture I'm on a public street picture 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 <laughs> And then and then they were like well keep moving then. you got across well I said I'm like I'm only standing here cuz you told me to I don't care about this I wasn't coming here to take pictures I'm not the paparazzi why are you yelling at me I'm allowed to take pictures of public street I'm only here because you asked me to and I'm staying here to be nice Now, two people are walking me across the street and everybody's looking. And I I think I got one more picture as I kept moving. And then I got to my parents and I sat down and I was so amped that I ate an entire bowl of chips. I just inhaled it. It's like, I can't believe the way they talk to me. So, like, I wasn't even trying to do anything. They're like, I didn't come here to have a fight. I don't care about this. I'm a paparazzi to chip, chip, chip. And then I tweeted the picture and I felt much better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Here's the two questions one, that's why you ate the chips. (laughs) You <laughs> did you take a picture of yourself because you are actually Larry David because that is a full experience <laughs> was it just a lot of selfies
0: that's that's the thing that was so going about it because like I was absolutely in a curb episode standing up for the principle of being allowed to take pictures on a public street Yeah, while Larry David was standing there shooting the episode uh, was the irony wasn't lost on me? If that's your question,
2: yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. reframing oh, yeah. your question
0: as was the irony lost on you? It was not,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, but it was very tense. Look, I I don't think there are any heroes in the story because I did yell something like like I think I yelled so, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I as they as like two people were walking me away from the set, yeah, I did yell something like. I don't care about pictures. I don't give a shit. And that's when everybody, that's when everybody stared oh, at Oh,
2: I don't care about pictures? Oh, that's...
0: Something like that. Something like that. I mean, I'm sure they have some version of the audio picked up because, again, <laughs> it was pretty intimate and a lot of people turned. A yeah. lot of people turned. So anyway, that was um, Hollywood, you Hollywood,
2: know?
0: Hollywood, man. Hollywood. Beau Obama, the Obama family's first dog at the White House... Has died. <laughs> I can't go into that joke. No, <laughs> I can't go right into that. Is that um
3: true?
0: Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's true. I'm gonna let's just I'll make the joke and we could decide to keep it or not. You'll decide. You'll decide how you feel okay. about it. Okay. Uh also this week, and some sad news: Bo Obama, the Obama family's first dog at the White House, died. Uh, Major Biden is currently being held on one million dollars bond.
2: Oh no, 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 <laughs> no,
0: no. no <laughs> Um,
2: I can't. uh, I can't. I can't do it, man. I can't stomach it. It's too sad. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I don't like that one.
0: (laughs) In other. uh, Oh, wait, we have to worry about that still news. Fission reactions are increasing again at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Ukraine. Said Craig Mazin cracking his knuckles, getting to work on Chernobyl season two.
2: Oh.
0: Series had a lot of buzz. HBO was pretty excited to get that reactor going again.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I mean, is the right reaction? Oh, no. Sure. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh. I'm just speechless. I just want one thing to stop.
0: <laughs> Can we get one thing to stop?
2: We just get- Did One it, thing stop. One thing to stop. And like, you know what? Yeah. Wow. I really shouldn't have watched that. I think I watched that while I was pregnant.
4: Wow.
2: Could that have been? You wouldn't know. I mean- I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know
0: exactly when. I don't remember the air date or your pregnancy dates, and I don't know when they align.
2: Let me tell you, John, my pregnancy began of at your first week of back in the closet. So- <laughs> <laughs> Is that what
0: it's called? Are you are you telling yes? Are you telling me that that you? I, I'm just trying to understand. Are you suggesting something was playing while no during, no, co- during conception
2: before? Weirdly, <laughs> so <laughs> but um but that like I remember being like I'm pregnant and then listening to your podcast and it was like week one.
0: Cool. I'm glad I'm part of that memory. Like
2: I could always gauge my pregnancy by what week you guys were on. I'm not kidding. That's cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: In good good news, here's some good news. (laughs) Okay. On Thursday, the CDC announced that fully vaccinated people no longer need to wear masks in most situations indoors and outdoors.
3: Wow. We have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Based on the continuing downward trajectory of cases, the scientific data on the performance of our vaccines and our understanding of how the virus spreads, that moment has come for those who are fully
0: vaccinated. It's pretty great. I was really, that's, I was like moving. I was like, you know what? We, it's where the moment has come.
1: Yeah.
0: There are exceptions. People need to know there are exceptions for healthcare settings, public transportation, but it's exciting. Wow. The mask is gonna be, hopefully, hopefully something we start to put aside because of the vaccinations, that's cool.
2: It's really cool. Wow, 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 wow. Like going to the supermarket and not wearing a mask. That also means that people are going to now see me be like cilantro, 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 (laughs) and mumble to myself.
0: (laughs) I'm going to have to remember how to um, smile at strangers as opposed to what my mouth is doing now, which is kind of permanent.
2: Is that what it was like under there? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> just a little scalp some
2: i think i really furthered my kind of like um happy eye crinkles by making sure that like everybody knew that i was smiling under my mask by like really 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 smiling hard
0: yeah like um like when uh like like andy circus is doing uh doing one of his um performances in the dots
2: <laughs> in the dots
3: yeah
0: you know when he's in the face dots and he's got to <laughs> yeah. really ham it up to become a gorilla or something Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we've been doing in the mask, kind of like Becoming Navi, you know?
2: Yeah. Oh, major Navi vibes. I mean, the way I was with the mask, smiling under it, doing it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you see someone and you make eye contact. You just do a little like, like a tight, like Mm -hmm. a nice, like hi, like a a smile, you know, just like rather than like staring blankly or looking away, just a little like, you know, here we are, (laughs) that kind of thing. I was like that's what I do when I see people I give them a little smile but it it just never read and that was so sad to me and it also made me realize that no joke I do wave at my dog a lot without saying like hi or anything and I she probably doesn't know what that is either you know so a lot a lot that I've been getting wrong yeah
0: we all learned a lot in the past year you know about ourselves about how to communicate with dogs yeah. uh how to communicate with other people sure I'm trying to smile with my eyes I'm just going to try to Is that it? Oh, I'm trying to not smile with my mouth. So no, can't do it.
2: It looks more like you're like, oh, Gaga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like, uh, a you don't notice it, but Jessica Rabbit, just <laughs> Jessica Rabbit just walked behind you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah, it's not like, it's not like, oh, God, like that. But it's more like, wow, 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 look at that big pile of marshmallows. <laughs> you know, like like just something like soft and candy, like
0: <laughs> And the good news is now we can eat those soft marshmallows or the coyote can eat that roadrunner?
2: Roadrunner, yeah, without um, their masks.
0: Without their masks. Thank you so much to Jenny Slate for joining us and we come back. I quiz Crooked Zone Jason Concepcion about The uh, uproar, the furor over changes to fictional
3: characters. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. (laughs) Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. got to fight through it skinny jeans are for dads fight it you fight it you push it down we all carry around different stressors big and small when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively not me not me i'm running on rails (laughs) therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down uh i said to my therapist just yesterday i just feel like i don't have the 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 attention span right now to focus on some of these longer-term issues. And she's Mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. (laughs) If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love it. And we're back. Earlier this year, Warner Brothers and DC announced that author Tanahasi Coates had been tapped to write the next Superman feature wow. with recent speculation that this could be the first film in the franchise to feature a black Superman, which Zack Snyder recently stated was long overdue. Somehow, in a world where Archie is hot, the Prince of Persia is Jake Gyllenhaal, and Scarlett Johansson can play literally any role, yeah. this change to the race of an alien is for some unacceptable. We are joined... To play a game by the host of Take Line and All Caps NBA, Crooked's own returning champion. Let's go, Jason Concepcion. Jason, hello. Now, when you first heard there was a possibility that Superman might be black, uh, mm-hmm. how angry did you get? Uh, how much mayhem did you cause?
1: The rage uh, cannot be described in words. It was barely controllable by this mortal coil. Um, I exploded. I blacked out for a number of days. Uh, and just talking days. about it right now, I can feel it welling up inside me once again. Okay, let's let's
0: bring it back. I don't want to lose I'm gonna you.
1: Try. I'm going to try. I don't
0: want to lose you on a, a 1980s Hulk-style <laughs> uh, hi- <laughs> hitchhiking across America, yeah. stopping petty crimes. Yeah. So now it's time for a game called Cannon Fodder. Here's how it works, Jason. Okay. I'm going to play a clip of the complaint about some change... To a superhero, some oh, I love it. Some criticism of a fictional character, and you're gonna have to tell us who the character is that they are so worried about. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question. Glenn Beck had this to say <laughs> when this new character was introduced to audiences in an already established world.
3: And this one is half Hispanic and half black. Do I care if he's half Hispanic, all Hispanic? I, I don't know. The half black, the half... I don't care. I really don't care.
1: The audio quality was extremely poor, which is exactly how I want to hear Glenn Beck, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, Mm -hmm. Just as a quick aside, shouts to everyone who was bamboozled by Glenn Beck uh, at the beginning of the Trump administration who thought that all of a sudden Glenn Beck was good. Uh, Shouts to you. Hopefully you've learned. It sounds to me like he was talking about Miles Morales. You
0: got it. Okay. You got it. The introduction of Miles Morales as Spider-Man. Yes, Shout out to people that fell for Glenn Beck. Shout out to people that fell for J.D. Vance. Uh, <laughs> ongoing, ongoing, continuing Great to job, fall. Everybody, for it. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I uh, I have not been able to click on. The film where Glenn Close is in the uh, is in the moomoo. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I see the it's also like I It just pops up in my streaming in my streaming yeah. opportunities. And I just can't do it. I know. Sorry. I, I, Not gonna do I'm, it.
1: I'm the I'm the exact same. It's very, very difficult for me to look at that and say I have I'm going to I'm going to press play.
0: It's a similar reaction for different reasons. It's also how I feel when a very kind of like morose still from the new season of Hadman's Tale pops up. And it's like, I, I don't know. I kind of, can I, can I watch something where, I don't know, like I the good guys win like relatively quickly.
1: <laughs> I know it's the, the amount of punishment that that show doles out is just, you know, I tapped out season two and I just had to because it had me in a four finger a choke hold mm-hmm. and I had to I had to get out of it. Oh. Yeah.
0: My safe word was Pelican Brief,
1: which was also available. <laughs> Pelican Brief. Great film. Fantastic Great film. film, the te- the Pelican Brief. Question number two. I can't wait. Jordan Peterson. Oh my favorite
0: had this concern over a Disney movie breaking with what he considers the norm.
3: The only thing I can say is that I left the film with a strong sense that it was produced for ideological reasons and it was produced as a sort of anti-sleeping beauty and I felt that was entirely inappropriate because it wasn't a genuine artistic attempt it was an ideological statement. I actually really liked Moana. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. I thought it was that I like that you know that little girl in the movie allied herself with this very very powerful but rather uncivil. Masculine force, and I thought they got the archetypal balance in that film really quite nicely. So I liked Moana quite a bit. Sir, this is a Starbucks.
1: <laughs> tough, tough
0: compliment for the good people behind Moana, who definitely like, are like, get off my side. We don't want you on our. We don't want your number in our Metacritic
1: numbers. <laughs> Uh, but uh, wh- <laughs> I just need to hear Jordan uh singing let's get down a bit bu- let's get down to business and that little strange bleat of his What movie uh, uh I'm going to guess Frozen You got it You got it I don't even know what he's talking like i saw frozen i didn't even like what is he talking oh i mean talking about isn't about sisters that are just kind of did he i would like when you say like ideological statement and you're talking about frozen (laughs) my dude you need to fucking relax it's like pro ice i know what are you talking about
0: (laughs) i would actually i would actually really like to get to call josh gad and just be like josh (laughs) tell me what is what do you think the ideology of frozen
1: is right pro snowman i guess right is it is it a materialist worldview what is it what is it at the center of frozen what are they trying to tell us what is elsa trying to promote here i don't know third question The people at Fox and Friends were
0: outraged when this character had some changes and a teaser for a movie that would end up never getting
2: released. The new Sony Pictures version of will look like this without
3: the iconic and the smoking pipe. Are they wussifying Of course there was. Nothing is scarier to a modern liberal than tobacco. If were driving around giving the morning after pill to fourth graders, that would be totally fine. (laughs) Who is it?
0: Who is it that that they thought we would be cool with this character driving around, giving people
1: the morning after pill? Get the tobacco away from me. There is nothing in this world that I am more afraid of on a daily basis than tobacco. As a modern liberal, mm-hmm. pipe smoking character. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Okay. The character
0: first appeared in a 1929 comic strip.
1: Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, Popeye? You got it.
0: Wow. You got it. Crushing
1: <laughs> They're Crushing <mad about> it. <laughs>
0: crushing it. They're mad Fox about an Fren- unreleased Man, Popeye Friends. film.
1: Fox and Friends. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, listen, not a great film from our guy Robert Altman. Put him in movie jail well, for quite a uh, number of years. Yeah. And also uh, was a part of the, the kind of
0: uh, rough auspices for Robin Williams' film career. That's right. Before the his renaissance, R.I.P. Of That's course, R.I.P. Right. Goes without saying,
1: and R.I.P. for Popeye. Uh, if God forbid, the modern liberals get their filthy paws on that corn cob pipe of his.
0: <laughs> I my fundamental issue as a liberal with Popeye is that his muscles are in the wrong part of his arm. <laughs> does it doesn't ever make <laughs> sense. Right. What, they're how not. How do you? What, like,
1: yeah. How do you work just that out? They're not yeah, supposed
0: well, to be. They're here. Right.
1: How does that? It's happen? A
0: lot of grip. Is a lot of this. But does one of those, that even um, get
1: it? How do you even... I
0: don't know. Do, I don't know how you get... How do you work this? <laughs> you would how do you think, work just this? You
1: would think that would just I be I think like, it's grabbing. Right. So it's a lot of a lot of like rolling of towels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. He had the, these great forums. He drinks the spinach and all of a sudden he's got <laughs> these monster <laughs> forums. <laughs> wow. Wow. For those listening at home, Popeye <laughs> is here.
1: He is. <laughs> he's oh, here. Oh, Johnny. And
0: that cursed Robert Altman Popeye also has <laughs> uh,
1: Shelley Duvall. Wonderful Shelley Duvall performance.
0: Wonderful Shelley Duvall, but she was very much still clearly in her post shining yeah. emotional turmoil. Yeah. So it's a very deep and emotionally fraught olive oil. It, it really is. A very breathy.
1: Oh, Popeye. Oh, a lot of that. <laughs>
0: And I just think it was wrong that Robert Altman had Stanley Kubrick hiding in various places on the set of That was
1: unnecessary. To jump out. That was unnecessary. <laughs> they were getting. Shelley is a pro. You don't need to go to that level, you know, to make her uh, believe that the octopus, the giant octopus was real. She was. She, it's called acting. You don't need to terrify her that way. It's called acting. Shame on you, Robert and Stanley. R.I.P. both of you. So, Sir so, so Lawrence Olivier, Lawrence
0: Olivier, I don't use the British. I don't recognize royalty. Lawrence Olivier, no sir in my house, is making this movie Marathon Man. And in Marathon Man, Dustin Hoffman plays a character who is being tortured and he's been up all night. Right. It's a, it's a great movie, though. Hard to watch. It's a hard watch. But <laughs> there's a scene where uh, Dustin Hoffman's supposed to have been up all night. And so he stayed up all night. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Lawrence Olivier got wind of this and said, what do you mean you stayed up all night? It's called acting, my boy. Yeah. I think I've. No, you don't stay up all night. That movie, if you describe that, oh, oh, it's just this, this, this hit '70s movie uh, about right. a uh, crazy Nazi dentist.
1: <laughs> a crazy Nazi dentist on the run, and a, a lower East Side hipster whose brother was in the CIA. Right? Is that, is that good? I, I would also say, right. let me just also say th- this about Dustin Hoffman, that particular movie. I, I want to say that movie was like 1975, 1974. Uh, yeah. he, he was hanging out a lot at uh, Studio 54 at the time. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it wasn't for the role that he stayed up. I think he backmapped <laughs> that excuse into the situation. I'm not sure that it was for the role.
0: I think that he had an <laughs> opportunity to stay up all night right. and have it uh, be uh, uh, submit the receipts. Yeah. He could submit the receipts from Studio 54. <laughs> uh, final question. Ben Shapiro oh, had wow. this to say while discussing the announcement of a writer for a
1: movie. It's a private company, but they are wrecking a piece of intellectual property that was designed to be pro-America by handing it to a person who really does not like the foundational ideals of this country. Well, uh, John, first of all, uh, fantastic to be here uh to have me on to talk about this uh thank you also for uh putting the step stool next to the chair so i could get up into it and speak into the microphone
0: i just the I, the audacity of the two of us talking about some being short
1: well <laughs> come, come on well yeah but here's the thing ben cares about it and you know he does so that's what's great about it god i i'm not sure could i get it could i get a hint it uh, could be anything it with may ben. be
0: pro-american but it's not captain america
1: pro-american but it's not captain america is it sam wilson
0: it's superman oh. it was part of the backlash to the ta coat superman I see. Uh, I see. but you went
1: three for four
0: and you That's, got some I feel great you about got some it. tough ones i feel good you got about some it. tough ones
1: yeah i feel really uh, good about it
0: i will always um remember that <laughs> there was a there was a Ben Shapiro clip, yes, where he talked about how the idea of a female James Bond was horrible because it meant men couldn't fantasize about being James Bond anymore, and it's just sort of like, I mean, you're not really supposed to say I can't see the world through the eyes of a woman. You're just not supposed to just come out and say it.
1: Here's what's here's what's terrible, about a female James Bond, and I'm, I'm going to lay it out for you in, in a way that the uh, that liberals can understand. Uh, and, and they may let me have a, a problem hearing this uh, because uh, they can't listen. They can't listen when a real man speaks. Uh, but I'm going to speak now about uh, 007 and and the uh, dire threat to American masculinity. Should uh, 007 be cast as a female?
0: I just also it just the voice just keeps getting higher and higher <laughs> and faster until it just becomes a kind of evil Simon. Right, just yeah. an evil. It's just. It's like, what if, (laughs) yeah, it was just sort of, what if Simon uh, went to Harvard and joined the young conservatives? (laughs) That's what happens. And it's just really, but really it's like, are you conservative or are you just mad that Alvin was more popular? Come on, Ben. What's going on here?
1: Come on, Ben. Come on. Come on. Anytime, anywhere, Ben. Come on. I will measure my height against yours and we'll see who's taller. Let's go. Any time of day. Preferably in the morning when my when my skeleton has not yet compressed.
0: We'd like to do the measuring in the morning.
1: That's right. We just
0: that's our. It's not any time. It's a morning. Any morning. Be a man, Ben. <laughs> we can be in the morning or after. Jason has spent some time in one of those chairs that goes all the way that kind of like swilts back.
1: Yes, and preferably a full moon also, so that the gravity of the moon can pull on the top of my head. I'll take any little bit that that's I really can. Smart. That's but really it smart. will be barefoot, Ben. So be there, be square. Let's go. Jason Concepcion, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. You've won the game.
0: Yes! You've won. You've won the game. Let's go. You defeated all of your enemies.
1: I love it. <laughs> I love it. J D. Vance, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, get out of here. Fox and Friends gone. Yeah, I don't want to hear you guys anymore. Get out. How about they let it go? That's right. <laughs>
0: Oh, the places they'll go. That's right. That's Moana. <laughs> now I'm on Moana. Song by Lin-Manuel Miranda.
1: That's right. And
0: you can tell it has his signature syncopation.
1: I will be honest with you. Jordan Peterson saying that he much prefers Moana will haunt me for the rest of my days.
0: Well, it makes me think we have to. We I I, I'm sorry to say this, but it forces us to ask some difficult questions about yeah. Moana.
1: <laughs> it really does.
0: It really does. Thank you so much, Jason. When we come back. I talked to Dr. Rick Doblin about psychedelics, healthcare, and, you know, not healthcare, you know? <laughs>
3: Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way.
0: Hey, it's Love It, and I'm on my way to your city. And by on my way, I mean I'm still in the shower, but still, about to head out. Love it or leave it, Live on Tour is heading all over the country. We'll be in Charlotte, Asheville, Boston, Madison, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. And if we're not coming to your city this time, I'm sorry, the country is too big. Take it up with the pioneers. To learn more and get tickets, head to crooked.com slash events. And we're back. He is a leader in the psychedelic renaissance. At the helm of the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, a hub for psychedelic education, community, and research, MAPS just published the results of the first phase three trial for a psychedelic-assisted therapy. Please welcome Dr. Rick Doblin. Dr. Doblin, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Now, I want to read the opening of a New York Times piece uh, from this week. It said, (laughs) It's been a long, strange trip in the four decades since Rick Doblin, a pioneering psychedelics researcher, dropped his first hit of acid in college and decided to dedicate his life to the healing powers of mind-altering compounds. (laughs) Are you the best case scenario for somebody who tries drugs in college
4: and makes it their whole personality? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I've never you know, been jailed, and I've never gone crazy, and I've got a PhD from Harvard. And um, I, I did have a funny moment the very first date with my wife, where we're out on a date in 1983 for lunch. Um, and she said, um, it wasn't really a date in her mind. It was in my mind. But she just said, um, offhand, I would never, ever want a long-term relationship with you because you've done so much LSD, your chromosomes are destroyed and we would have deformed babies and, you know, we'd have a giraffe or something. And and I was like, well, let me defend my sperm. And that was our <laughs> first, I said, that is baloney, all that stuff. So I don't know that I'm the uh, best case, but I, I think I'm um, a good case. <laughs>
0: Can you, um, first, also, I just want to say, look, I didn't know what to expect, but You're in a printed shirt. You're in a very comfortable chair. There's like, I just, this is the vibe that I, it's a great vibe. It's the vibe that I wanted.
4: So now look. (laughs) Well, you know what I actually do, speaking of being ready to go, is that we have a policy kind of at MAPS that um, before we send documents into the FDA, Mm -hmm. um, I get high and I edit them with our staff. And it actually is good. For me, marijuana and editing go together great. Uh, That's interesting. So I want to start by hearing about your
0: research. Can you talk just a little bit, broad strokes, what is the work you've been doing looking at uh, cyclocybin, at MDMA, and uh, what it can do to actually help people in need, jokes aside.
4: Actually, we've done a lot of work with MDMA, with LSD, a bit of work with Ibogaine and marijuana. We haven't done work with psilocybin. That's other groups. Okay. Um, 1985 is when the DEA criminalized MDMA, and i have been involved trying to keep it legal at that time. We had a lawsuit against the DEA, and we won the lawsuit. The DEA administrative law judge said, it uh, should be Schedule 3, meaning it should be illegal for recreational use but legal for medical use. And the, the DEA rejected the recommendation and criminalized everything and tried to shut down the research. So, 86, 35 years ago is when I started MAPS as a nonprofit psychedelic and marijuana pharmaceutical company. So, the research that we're doing, there's two sort of different kinds of research. One is more academic research where you're trying to figure out how things work mechanism of action it's called sometimes the other is where you're trying to prove safety and efficacy in order to get approval for marketing a drug for prescription on a prescription basis so the research that we've been doing ever since 1986 has been aimed at drug development to make MDMA into a medicine to prove safety and efficacy now it took us till 1992 to get the first permission we had five protocols rejected that we were submitting on behalf of various other people Then we were able to do a phase one dose response safety study and that took us through the 1990s. And then in 1999, we started work with PTSD. So MDMA is terrific for post-traumatic stress disorder. It's in many ways, like if you were to design a drug to treat PTSD, MDMA is it. And so it took us from 1999, 2000 to 2016 to complete what's called phase two research. So that's small pilot studies The goal of it is to figure out how to design phase three. So you're figuring out what's your treatment method, what are your doses, what are your patient populations, who do you include, who do you not include, what are your measures, all all this kind of stuff. So it took us 30 years from 1986 to November 29th, 2016 to negotiate with FDA to get permission to go to phase three. So the research that we're doing now is called phase three. It's the final stage of research We have to do two phase three studies, each with 100 persons in them in order to prove safety and efficacy. And if we can do that, then we anticipate um, FDA approval by the first part of 2023. So around two years from now. And the research that just came out was the first phase three study and it was uh, outstanding success.
0: What What did the results of the study show?
4: The treatment that we describe is therapy. But the MDMA makes the therapy better. So I just didn't want to leave the impression yeah, yeah, yeah. that MDMA, you know, does this all on its own. You just pop a pill and all of a sudden you get better. That That's not the way it is. You can pop MDMA and people can get worse, you know, if they don't feel safe, if difficult emotions come up, difficult memories. So what we proved is that therapy without MDMA, and this is 42 hours of therapy. So it's a lot of therapy and it's a two-person therapy team which is unusual usually we have a male female but not always and there's three eight-hour sessions day-long sessions one month apart and you either get MDMA or you get a placebo and you get these three day-long eight-hour sessions many of the sites have overnight stays the patients sleep in the treatment center and we have 12 90-minute non-drug psychotherapy sessions uh, usually like once a week three before the first MDMA session or the placebo session for preparation, building what's called the therapeutic alliance. And then we have three sessions for integration after each MDMA or placebo session. And then two months after the last experimental session is when what's called the final outcome measure. And that's where we get data to compare the two groups. So what we've shown is that therapy without any MDMA is actually pretty good for severe chronic PTSD. We include people that have previously attempted suicide, so we've taken the hardest cases. A lot of PTSD studies exclude them. And what we showed is that people who had, on average, 14 years of PTSD, one-third had more than 20 years of PTSD, but we showed that 32% no longer had PTSD two months after the last session in the group that just got therapy without MDMA. So that's really pretty good. But we showed when you add MDMA, all of a sudden two thirds no longer have PTSD. It's it's pretty incredible.
0: I mean, you're describing this process taking place now over decades. Yeah, yeah. That uh, Research can be slow. How much of this is because the drug is illegal? Like how much does that slow you down?
4: Um, at this point, not that much. But DEA, which has to approve the Schedule I licenses for the doctors, They've been notoriously slow in approving research with Schedule One drugs. And so about seven or eight years ago, Congress passed a law that said that DEA must reschedule in 90 days. If FDA says it's a medicine, DEA has only 90 days. We have now a senior DEA retired official that's working for us as a consultant to try to get the DEA moving faster when it comes to giving the Schedule One licenses for the researchers. The reason this guy is helping us It's tremendous is because his son went into the military, went to Iraq and has PTSD and is using marijuana and found marijuana to be helpful for his PTSD. And that changed his father's attitudes about why he was spending all his time trying to bust people with marijuana and cocaine and other things. So the fact that it's schedule one um, in the very beginning from 85, when it was criminalized, you know, for um, six years, no protocols were approved. They were all rejected. All of our MDMA protocols were rejected. That's all because it's uh, illegal drug in Schedule 1. Um, we've also had challenges fundraising. So that's been another reason why it's taken us so long because we're working only with you know, donations. But now that we're 35 years into this, the whole landscape has changed. There's all these for-profit psychedelic companies. In 35 years, we've raised $110 million in donations, which is really pretty amazing. And we've raised $44 million in the last two years. But the for-profit companies have raised over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So we've been slowed down, I would say, more from financial reasons than because it's a controlled substance now. But earlier in the days, we were completely blocked because it was a controlled substance.
0: Uh, MAPS uh, doesn't advocate for, tell me if this is wrong, for research or legalization for drugs like heroin or cocaine you're focused on.
4: Well, I would say that's a bit wrong um, in the sense that do you know Carl Hart? Have you heard of Carl Hart? No. Um, oh, oh, he's a neuroscientist, African-American. He's written a bunch of books. And he's... Now I'm embarrassed. Okay. Well, he's um, talked about how he thinks that he's found heroin to be productive for him. Oh. So what I have told him just the other day, and we're inviting him to participate in this process to become a board of director at MAPS. So what our view is, our goal is mass mental health. We need millions or hundreds of millions of people to be more open, more spiritualized, less coming from fear and trauma. That's the goal, and the two main strategies on the one hand are drug development, meaning making these drugs into medicines, and we've seen with medical marijuana that that changed people's attitudes towards marijuana legalization. So one approach is drug development for people with clinical diagnosis. The other equal move for us is drug policy reform to move to what we're calling licensed legalization. And that should be for all drugs. And what I told Carl was that the more dangerous the drug, the more important it is that it be legal. And the reason is because when it's illegal, first off, people are getting impure drugs. And a lot, we see that now with fentanyl, all the people that are dying with fentanyl put into heroin and other things. So illegal drugs, you have quality control problems. And a lot of times people die from overdoses. When people have problems with drug use, let's say heroin or cocaine, they're more reluctant to seek help. Right because they're worried about the criminal justice. My father was a pediatrician, Uh, he's no longer alive, but he worked on one of the first studies with crack babies in Chicago. And he and his partners did the pediatric evaluations of these kids, and he was telling me, first off, there is no such thing as the crack baby phenomenon. It's about poverty, it's about malnutrition, it's not about the crack cocaine. There is fetal alcohol syndrome, but there is no such thing as crack baby syndrome. And what he said is that these women who are pregnant who are addicted to cocaine or were nursing, that they were scared to get treatment for fear that they'd go to jail or have their babies taken away. So the more dangerous the drug, the more we need to have open door for people that need treatment. And we need honest drug education. We need pure drugs so that people are not dying from overdoses. And we need um, treatment on demand, which will be paid for by tax money. So our position, we're focused on psychedelics and marijuana. But our view is that heroin, cocaine, psychedelics, should be legal, but licensed legalization means something different. So alcohol, I don't think, is regulated wisely. And the best example is somebody buys a bunch of alcohol, gets drunk, gets in their car, you know, gets pulled over by the police, gets a DUI, and they lose their driver's license. But they can still go to a liquor store, buy more alcohol, get back in their car, and kill people while they're drunk. So we should make it harder for them to buy the alcohol. So the idea for a licensed legalization is you get a license to do drugs, we, we can do that with credit cards now. We know instantaneous processing, all this kind of stuff. And so if you misbehave while you're under the influence of a drug, you don't get punished for your state of consciousness. That's a fundamental violation of our human rights. You get punished for your behavior. And if your behavior is problematic, you could lose your license for a while. You would have to go to more education. But, but that's the idea.
0: I guess the distinction, to my mind, I, I, is around the addictiveness of the drug that mushrooms, marijuana psychedelics, put them over here, drugs like alcohol, opiates, cocaine, they sap your free will. Ultimately, they become incredibly addictive. They become things people lose control of and then therefore belong in a different category.
4: That's true for a small percentage of people. You know, most people that drink alcohol are not alcoholics. So the question is, how do you address those problems? So first off, I think you're making a little bit of a logical mistake in the sense that It's not good drugs or bad drugs. It's the relationship we have with the drug Mm -hmm. that really matters. You know, the best example for that, one of the the good examples is thalidomide. You know, thalidomide was the drug prescribed for morning sickness, and it caused uh, terrible birth defects. And the only FDA official that ever got the Presidential Medal of Honor was um, this woman, Frances Kelsey, who blocked thalidomide from coming into the United States. Now, thalidomide is a medicine. It's useful for certain kinds of cancer, for leprosy, but there's all sorts of protections on how it's used. So the quintessential bad drug, thalidomide, is now actually a good drug in certain circumstances. So yes, some drugs have a high abuse potential. Some drugs have a medium. Some have a low abuse potential. Some are not abuse potential. But how do we address that? And the core view that I have is that the drug war is not the proper way to try to control drug abuse. And in fact, the drug war has never been about drug abuse. It's always been about persecuting minorities. You know, it began in the um, late 1800s against opium, against the Chinese laborers who were building the railroads. Then it was alcohol. We tried prohibiting alcohol. It didn't work in prohibition. Enormous crime. Lots of people die from poisoned alcohol. Shortly after that was changed, now we've got marijuana against Mexicans, against African-Americans. The laws against the psychedelics were about the hippies and the counterculture. And so it's not about drug abuse. You showed them. We, <laughs> we, we have showed, yes. <laughs> but, but no, I, I, of
0: course, agree with that. I'm against the war on drugs. Okay. I'm against prosecuting people for using drugs. I'm against all of that. Okay. But let's say we are, we are not criminalizing this behavior. We're not locking people up for using these substances. At the same time, opiates, regardless of what the punishment is, It seems pretty clear that freely accessible opiates is dangerous and not not to be stopped by throwing people in jail. But let's recognize like this is a substance that many people once uh, exposed to become like ensorcelled. They are not able to free themselves of it. And therefore, for the good of society, they should not
4: have access to it. Not true. Okay, so let me talk about some studies that have taken place in New York and Vancouver, elsewhere, the Netherlands, Switzerland, called heroin maintenance studies. So what they've shown is that people that are addicted to opiates, if you give them opiates, if you give them pure heroin, you have they can manage their lives, they can hold jobs, that the heroin maintenance is a better strategy than criminalization. Like one of the psychedelics, um, Ibogaine, which is a drug from Western Africa, it's terrific for helping people get over opiate addictions. We have now a study that we've given a little bit of money to. It's in uh, Spain by a group called ICERs. And as I began to help people withdraw from methadone, you know, that's an opiate substitution drug. So we see for people that are addicted, we give them methadone. But methadone is addictive too. And it's very hard to get off of methadone. But we find that they can live productive lives. The problem, like these are, these
0: are managed, we are managing a problem. The problem though was born of trying these drugs.
4: I don't think so. I think so. The, the pro- So there was a study that we've worked on. We supplied the MDMA. We trained the therapists. It was, um, In England, it was MDMA for alcohol use disorder and the results were great. But what they showed is that a lot of those people who are alcoholics actually were running away from trauma. And if you help them process the trauma, they will have a different relationship with alcohol. And so I think that that would be a preferable approach. I just think that using the criminal justice system and prohibiting this, it's also a myth that most people that use these drugs have problems. There is a substantial number and it's the percentage different for each drugs Mm -hmm. and different drugs have um, different Mm -hmm. properties. What I'm trying to get at is that like, okay,
0: we do away with the war on drugs. I am for that unequivocally against criminalizing substance abuse. Yeah, unequivocally. Um, But I worry. But I do worry that, yes, there are people who can function and live while taking opiates, while there are functional cocaine users, even functional cocaine addicts. But. There are certain substances that, that are really just too powerful for too many people. And even though I believe they should not be illegal, it is still good policy to keep them out of people's hands
4: if they don't need them. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. So Carl Hart has talked about that annual surveys, um, 80% of opiate users use only a few times a year and not regularly. So I think what we need to do is be sympathetic with the people that are getting into problems, mm-hmm. and we need to be offering them as much help as possible. So th- again, the license legalization: if you take opiates and you get into your car and you're, you know, not seen clearly and you crash your car, yes, like alcohol, yeah, we should make it harder to get it.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But but I think we need to be honest education people a lot of, pure drugs. So many people are dying from impure opiates, you know, mixed with fentanyl. If opiates were legal we would have opium. We would have all these other forms. When you make it illegal, well, they call it the iron law of prohibition. You get smaller and smaller quantities that are more and more potent. Now we've got that with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. It's easier to smuggle. It's you know easier to sell. So that the whole criminal justice system trying to prevent people to get these drugs, I think we need to do the opposite. We need to say we want to help people have problems with drugs and destigmatized and there's a lot of new ways and i think there'll be a range of milder opiates you know coca tea rather than cocaine people talk about this as psychedelic exceptionalism there are people that have difficult relationships with molly or ecstasy mdma you know they they use it every weekend so it's not to say that mdma is completely without these kind of problems but but it's self-limiting it's not as bad Um, people don't get addicted to lsd or psilocybin it's not a reliable escape but you know, for now, what we're trying to do, what we have not seen is the people in our studies who we have given MDMA to in a therapeutic setting, after the study is over saying, "Oh, I'm craving this MDMA. Let me go out and get some more." Yeah, because several of people in our studies have said, "I don't know why they call this ecstasy, because it's painful to work through your traumas the mdma makes it so you can do it instead of running away from it so it's it's healing it's like grieving it's like crying after you lose someone that's it's cleansing even though it's painful
0: they call it ecstasy cuz most people don't take it during difficult therapy <laughs> sessions the uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> yes. before I let you go thank you for the time uh, um psychedelics i just wanted to hear i'm just curious like yeah yeah on top of the medical benefits obviously there's like positive feelings people have when they take them but there's also these Um, Experiences people have
4: enlightening experiences. Eye-opening experiences. Yeah. Can you
0: talk a little bit uh, about the science of that? Aspect of what psychedelics do
4: and and also let me say that that's another reason for legalization because there's a lot of people that have personal growth Experiences they find meaning they like vision quests. What am I gonna do with their life or you know? One of the best uses of MDMA is for couples therapy. It's great for relationships That's not a disease (laughs) But it's one of it sometimes feels like that, but but it's you know it's really good for a lot of things that aren't diseases. So the science of it is, I'd say a big part it's of it is- not a disease what, if a lawyer can cure it. All right, go sorry go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, So I think the key part is called neuroplasticity. So what that means is that we have now seen from animal studies with MDMA, also some studies with um, psilocybin, that these drugs promote new neural connections not so much uh, the birth of new neurons although that can in some circumstances take place but um, new connections between existing neurons and so those are in new kind of areas of the brain like pro-social areas of the brain for MDMA so that people in MDMA there were studies in uh, mice that published in Nature that talked about a critical reward social reward learning period so when you're young you learn things a lot better we know that little kids learn languages easier than older kids So MDMA returns the brain to a plastic state where you can experience things in a different way and reroute how you think of traumas or even how you think about what you're going to do with your life. So that the science of it is that we're able to mold our brains. For the classic psychedelics, there's what's called the default mode network, which is default means like what you, your resting state, you fall into it it's the sense of self. We've got this sense of this network in the brain that's more or less equivalent, you could say, to your ego or to your sense of self. And under the influence of the classic psychedelics, that network in your brain is weakened, that there's less activity in that. So you don't see the world so much from the perspective of I as the center of the universe. That kind of dissolves and you feel part of something much bigger and that can be interpreted in spiritual ways. They call it the transcendence of time and space, the sense of something uh, deeply felt, a sense of something sacred, a sense of unity, a connection. And we know from quantum physics and others that there's ways that you look at the universe where it's all connected. So you get a sense from that. So I'd say it's equivalent to the Copernican revolution where people thought that the U- Earth was the center of the universe, and then we find that's not the case. We think that we're the center of the universe, and under the influence of psychedelics, the classic ones, you shift your perspective, and that changes your attitudes towards death. It changes your attitudes towards life. It, In good circumstances, supported by therapists, you can understand how we're all connected, and you're less prejudiced. You're less willing to support uh, environmental destruction. You're, you're more active in changing the world. You're not just waiting for later. So I think how people who don't have a diagnosis get better, the science behind it is in part the weakening of this default mode network and you see a bigger picture. Interesting. The idea here is we're not trying to give you a drug that you need to take for the rest of your life and if you stop taking it, your problems come back. We're trying to have deep work with psychotherapy enhanced by the drug to make people independent of drugs and then to teach them how to process trauma on their own afterwards. Or, or There's just so many people that, you know, are not sure what what do they want to do with their lives? What is their purpose? And it's anxiety provoking to ask those questions. But when you take MDMA, it reduces activity in the amygdala, the fear processing part of the brain, increases activity in the prefrontal cortex, where we think logically, increases connectivity between the hippocampus and the amygdala, where we put memories into long-term storage, so that you can address anxiety-provoking questions whether it's for a clinical diagnosis or not, and you can think peacefully, you're filled with self-love. Oxytocin is released. It's the hormone of nursing mothers, of love and connection. So that for all of the um, people who are, you know, not diagnosed, but the healthy people, the, there's good scientific explanations for why these experiences can be profound. But again, I just want to emphasize, it's not the drug. You know, Tim Leary actually coined the idea of set and setting. Mm-hmm. That it's your what you bring to it, your internal set, but it's where you do it as well. Whether you feel safe, whether you're supported, and that will help with the outcomes.
0: Doctor Rick Doblin, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> so good to talk to you. Uh, and um, well, yeah, yeah,
4: this is exciting. Yeah. This is exciting.
0: That's cool. Yeah,
4: yeah. And I think it's it's a real challenge for the culture because I think the way that we ended up talking a lot about drug policy, I, I mean, people are thinking, yeah, if you make this into a medicine, what does that really mean? How is our culture going to handle it going forward? And those are important questions. But, you know, the, the initial step is medicalization yes. under controlled conditions. And I think we've got bipartisan support from our funders, from politicians. The backlash that happened in the 60s, I don't think is going to happen again now
0: yeah i don't think so either i think um i think that the conservatives were right when they said that medical drug use uh was a backdoor towards changing people's perceptions they actually were right about that because um it has shown that people are willing to see marijuana and other drugs yeah. uh, without the stigma. So, I mean, they were right. They were right to be concerned. The hippies, the hippies are going to win. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, but the, the, I'll just say the difference is that we're not portraying ourselves as counterculture anymore. We're mainstreaming. We're yeah. becoming part. of That that was what it was like for me when I went to the Kennedy School at Harvard and got my master's PhD from there. I like. Hey, maybe I'm not a counterculture drug-using criminal anymore.
0: Look, you're not counterculture if you're backed by VCs. All right, that's like this is that's just the bottom line. You know, uh, no one, you're not. Yeah, if you can't, it doesn't work that way. If Peter Thiel's involved, not for you, but i was saying like, if Peter Thiel's involved, if Peter Thiel's involved yes. in the, you're you're out of the counterculture. Uh, Dr. Rick Doblin, yes. thank you so much. <laughs> when so when much. we come back, we'll end on a high note. And we're back because we all need it this week. Here it is, the high note.
3: Hey, love it. My high note this week is uh, this past Thursday, I was bitten twice by a baby rattlesnake, um, once on each foot. My high note is that my neighbors were amazing. Um, One neighbor swooped in, was here within five minutes, had me at the hospital at the ER in 25 minutes, and the ER happened to have the anti-venom for rattlesnake bites. My other neighbor who we passed on the way out, um, I live in a canyon in the Bay Area, both of them. Husband and wife came up to the house, found the snake, killed it, sent me a picture, and we were able to confirm with the toxicologist uh, without the lab results yes, this is a baby rattlesnake, and yes, we need to give you the antivenom right away. After a night in the ER, and the rest of the night, and most of the rest of the day in the ICU, I am home. I've got blue ink on my feet around where the spots were, but swelling resolved, other symptoms resolved, and I'm going to be okay. I am feeling good about the world and grateful to be out here on the studio deck listening to your episode. So thank you so much for everything you do, and thank you so much to all the folks out there in the world developing anti-venom. Let's step it up. Let's make sure every hospital has it. Thanks. I love it. This is Allie from South Dakota. And I am calling my high note. Um, It's been a really long year. I gave birth to a son March 1st, 2020, and my sister left her piece of shit husband shortly thereafter. And so it's been a long year of both of us struggling with me with two small children and she with an older daughter and a very difficult divorce. But we're on the other side. We're both fully vaccinated. And she just bought her first house last week all on her own she's a freaking rock star and i am so proud of her for all that she's done this last year it's been a long one but your show has kept me going and i am so thankful for all the laughs and they've definitely helped me through so thank you
0: i love it this is alex from ashville i'm actually calling on my way to my high notes this is the first time since before the pandemic started that uh, myself, my brother, my sister, and my mom can all get together, spend time together. We've all been kind of doing somewhat public service in this time. My brother works for AmeriCorps. Uh, my sister is a reform advocate and writer in New Orleans. And then I'm working at a restaurant that brings attention to the historic black roots of the Asheville area that become completely gentrified. So it's nice to be able to take a break and, and have a moment to ourselves and actually just have a little bit of. And especially, it's Mother's Day. So we gotta got to show Mom that she's done a great job of raising some pretty okay human beings. Thanks for everything you do. You make the drive back and forth uh, a lot easier every week.
1: And keep going. Thanks, Mom.
3: Hi, Love It. It's Jenny from Oakland. My high note for the week is that I finally get to be back in the classroom with my students are beginning English language learners from Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. And I was able to sign them up for their first vaccine. Even after they were super hesitant, I was able to use the tools and information I learned from your show to help educate them about the benefits of the vaccine. And I'm super excited to be back in my classroom and helping my students get shots. All right. Have a great week.
0: Thanks to everybody who called in with those high notes. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213 262 4427. Thank you to Jenny Slate, Jason Concepcion, Dr. Rick Doblin, and everybody who called in. There are 542 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Have a great weekend, everybody. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, Ryan Woodruff, and Lee Eisenberg. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Gonalan and Peter Miller are our writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Nar and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroot, for filming and editing video each week so you can.